Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to take the months of June, July, and August and go through the entire book of Hebrews. We're going to cover a chapter each week, and then it's my desire in September to have a school of the Spirit and talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we believe at Restored Church are still in operation today and why they are. Look at Hebrews 1. It says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he's spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus, you are my son, today I've become your father. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. And when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, let all the God's angels worship him. Regarding the angels, he says he'll send his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. He also says to the Son, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They'll wear out like old clothing. You'll fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. But you are always the same. You will live forever. And God never said to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who inherit salvation. Father God and Jesus' name we come, and in Jesus' name we ask that your word would come alive. Father, scriptures that we may have read many times, we ask, Father, that you would illumine them to the hearer. May the eyes of our heart, Father, grasp and see and understand like Ephesians 1.18 tells us. And Father, we thank you that today, having sat under your word, will be changed because of your word. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we know your word doesn't return void, but it comes carrying something for each and every one of us, that purpose for which you've sent it. And so, Father, may your word be accomplished in us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. You can be seated. In the time that we have left, I want to do my best to lay a groundwork for the book of Hebrews, and why did I choose the book of Hebrews out of all the books in the Bible? Was it because there was 13 chapters and there are 13 weeks in June, July, and August? Now that just kind of worked out. Let me just say this about the book of Hebrews. It's one of the few books in the New Testament, if not the only book in the New Testament, about which no one really knows who's the author, who the author is. We're not certain. Clement said that Paul omitted his name because the Hebrews were prejudiced towards him. Origen said that Hebrews was an epistle of Paul. Some believed it was Luke. Tertullian believed it was Barnabas, 
whoever the author, this we do know that it's inspired by God. It's, it's got the very breath of God in it. All scripture's inspired by God. The overarching theme of Hebrews is, declare, is to declare Christianity over Judaism. Jesus says the substance and the law, priesthood, and sacrifices as the mere shadows. And you're going to see this struggle throughout the book of Hebrews because the battle still exists today. The battle still exists today. The battle of conformity to the law or to Christ. And you'll see, you'll see people, people that have been walking with Jesus for years and years and years, they want to go back to the festivals and the feasts and Judaism and we have everything in Jesus. And how many of you know that when Jesus came, everything changed? Everything changed. In fact, for early Jewish believers to assemble and meet on Sunday, that was a game changer because they met on Saturday. Sunday was the first day of the work week. But the disciples in the early church met on Sunday. Why? Because Jesus rose on Sunday. And they also wanted to tithe the very first day of their work week. Pretty amazing in a culture that was raised that the Sabbath was Saturday. You meet on Saturday, but how many of you know Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath? And it changed everything when Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. So know that as we go through this study, through these 13 weeks, please keep in mind that Judaism was tolerated by Roman authorities, whereas Christi Christians were persecuted. Don't forget that. Judaism was tolerated by Roman authorities. Christians, they were persecuted. There was a difference. There was a difference, and they saw it. Um, there was a difference in lifestyle. It wasn't just observances. It was now a passion to the death. And a lot of times, we fall into that same mode. We want to observe this, and we want to observe that, and we want to think if we do this or do that or abstain from this or abstain from that, that that makes us a Christian. Well, really, all that tells me is what you do and don't do. What you believe in your heart so strongly that it's changed you, that tells me who you are. The way that you live, your behavior, tells me who you are, who you are. Keep in mind that man always puts an emphasis on the outward, but God's always looking at the heart. And I think it's great that we do discipline ourselves to, to, to live a certain way, but whatever we do, it's gotta come from the heart. And I think that's why many who have walked with God for a, a length of time all of a sudden fall and they backslide, why? Because what they did, they weren't doing from the heart. What they did, they did because if we do these things, that makes us a Christian. Christianity is, isn't something that you do, it's who you are. It's what you've embraced with your heart and that transformation happens from the inside out. It takes place from the inside out. So throughout the book of Hebrews, there's gonna be this struggle. There's gonna be this law that they'd known for hundreds of years. And now all of a sudden Jesus comes and changes everything and you are literally upsetting the ox cart. And you're throwing everything into the air. So there's no better way to start then how Hebrews, the book of Hebrews starts by declaring who Jesus is, by declaring the deity of Jesus Christ. If any chapter in the Bible declares the deity of Jesus Christ, just go to Hebrews chapter one. Any cult will tell you 
that Jesus is the Son of God, where a cult will differ is by declaring that Jesus is God the Son. That's a difference maker right there. I don't believe that Jesus was just a good teacher. I don't, I don't believe that he was, he, was, he was a prophet, even though he was those things. I believe that he's God. And I believe there is salvation in no other name, whereby now, given unto men, there is no other name by where men can be saved. Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. So right here in chapter 1, it's the game changer. And if we look at it, you're going to find that the language is very, very strong, and it's very, very definitive. And you're going to see Jesus as creator being screamed loudly through these verses. So if you don't know where to start, if someone comes knocking on your front door with a white shirt and a dark tie, and they want to debate some things, go to Hebrews chapter 1 and say, explain this then. Tell me what this means then. Because you don't believe Jesus is God. I do, because when I invited him in my heart, he changed my life. And so go to Hebrews 1. Hebrews Chapter 1, verse 2, we see Jesus as creator God. It says, and through the Son, he created the universe. Look at Hebrews 1, 3, how Jesus sustains everything by the power of his command. Some of my favorite verses are Hebrews 1, 8 and 1, 10. In Hebrews 1, 8, we see the Father calling the Son God. Did you catch that there? But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God endures forever. Look at verse 10, which is very powerful because the Father calls the Son Lord and acknowledges him as creator. In verse 10, it says, he also says to the Son, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth. You made the heavens with your hands, screaming Jesus as creator, screaming that Jesus is God. Few would debate what these verses mean unless they come into it with an agenda and they're just trying to twist, and they're just trying to form things. I don't go to the Bible to back up what I want to believe. I go to the Bible to discover more and more what it is I do believe. I don't come to the Bible and try to twist it and try to rearrange it to, to work with me, to work with my sexual preferences, to work with what I want to believe so that I can do what I want to do. The Bible declares who God is, and it declares who I am in God. We find this in John 1. That's good preaching, Pastor. I needed to hear that. John 1. Look at John 1, 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And we know from verse 14 that this is talking about Jesus, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Or in the New Living, it says the word that became human and dwelt among us. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 1. This will be good stuff if you've always wondered where these verses were. Good stuff. Look at 15. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. It's been said that Jesus put a face on God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. 
everything was created through him and for him. But if I can get you to question Jesus as creator, well then man, I can begin to chip away at what you believe, can't I? If I can get you to question whether or not Jesus created everything, then I can begin to unravel your faith as a Christian. See, Jesus as creator is everything. It tells us that we will give an account to the one who created us and created the world that we live in. And if we can unravel that, then we don't have to give an account to anybody and we can just begin to embrace anarchy. And we can live in a world without authority and we can live in a world without, without any kind of, of, of supreme being that we need to answer to. But if we acknowledge that Jesus is creator, well then, we know we're gonna stand before him. He made us. He made this world. He made the heavens. Scripture we just read, it says that he made things that we can see and things we can't even see. But how many of you know one day we're going to see it all and we're going to know it all? Now, back to Hebrews 1. Look at verse 13 and 14 because it seems, did you pick up on the, on the theme of angels here in chapter 1? So, if the author of Hebrews 1 is mentioning angels, then there must have been some freaky things going on about angels. Must have been some worship of angels that was taking place, and that's nothing new today. There are people that worship angels today. And so we see some healthy doctrinal stance on angels. Look at verses 13 and 14. I'll read them again. And God never said to any of the angels... Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who, were, who will inherit salvation. And if you couple these verses with Hebrews 1.7, we'll nail some truths down. It says regarding the angels, it says he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. So angels are servants, angels are ministering spirits. They are sent and ordered by God, not by you and me. They're sent and they're ordered by God. Let me show you this in another place in the Bible. Go to Psalm 91, Psalm 91. I just... I don't like flaky. I don't like things that are not scriptural. I, 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 I don't like people adhering to belief systems that are not biblically based and biblically sound. Get excited about all that you want to. But when it's not biblically sound, and it's for that reason, church, that we should be in the word and that we should know the word so that we can say, no, 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 that's not what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. No, 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 it's weird that you believe that. It's weird that you practice that. Look at Psalm 91.11, and look at it close. It says, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Who orders the angels? God does. He will give his angels charge concerning you. So we can't tell angels what to do because we don't have the power to command them. God does. God does. I, I, I don't get to tell the angels to go get me money. Angels, go get me that money. Angels, go get me that husband. Go get me that wife. I don't tell the angels what to do. That's not biblically sound. That's weird. That's weird. And it's off. And I don't care who said it and how large their ministry is. It's peculiar stuff. Angels are not fetching spirits. They're ministering spirits. 
And we don't tell the angels to go get us stuff as if they're just waiting on our next order. They're, they're following the orders that come from the very throne. They're, they're following God's orders, not ours. And God sends them and he gives them charge concerning us. He's the one that calls the shots. Let me close with the one scripture or one of the scriptures that people have used to kind of argue that they that believe that you can tell angels to go get them stuff. I mean, how convenient, you know, to believe that. Um, Look at Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, if you've got your Bibles with you. This is a verse that I had thrown at me that people have used to justify, you know, telling angels to go get them stuff. And I believe in angels. I, I believe that God gives them charge over us. I, you know, if you're going to back me in a corner and say, do you believe in a guardian angel? Yeah, I believe mine's a monster. I believe he's just huge. Big old steroid-using angel. Enormous. Just a gorilla lilla. Head's not even in the roof here. It's out there somewhere just enormous. Look at Daniel 10. Look at 12. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. This is the angel speaking to him. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. And I have come and answered to your prayer. I've had people say, well, Pastor John, why did the angel come? And I, 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 is this a trick question? Well, because Daniel was praying, God sent the angel. And are we losing? Are we missing something here? The angel was sent because Daniel was praying. Daniel wasn't telling the angel to come. You need to come now because I need you really bad. He was praying. He was praying. And so let me say this. Based on scripture, if you desire a response from heaven, then pray. Then pray. We're not, wor- we're not warriors that are trying to tell angels to go get us stuff because we're worried about our bills being paid. We're warriors. We're warriors. And the angels are not being commissioned by our command, no matter how much faith you have. They're being issued at God's command. And don't worry, God will send them if you'll pray. God will send them. God promises if his people called by his name would humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways and pray, he'd forgive the sins and he'd heal the land. We don't have authority in the heavenlies. We have authority over the demonic I'll give you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. But man, that's God's throne. And those are his angels. Well, Pastor John, I, I, have, I, have, I have needs and God knows those needs. And if I wanted needs to be met, then I would get as close to the one who can supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I wouldn't try to find some teaching that seems real user-friendly and could get all of my needs met. I've said it once. I'll say it again. Christianity is not some, some catering service to get you what you want from God. Jesus didn't come and die so that we could get whatever we wanted to. In fact, I can't even find happiness promised in the Bible. I find a joy I find peace, but even that transcends understanding. Joy is supernatural. Happiness is fleeting for a moment. I don't agree. I don't think they're the same. 
Joy is a strength in the believer's life that circumstances cannot bind. You bet I believe he gives his angels charge concerning us. But I am not trying to commission and I'm not trying to seek out. Well, Pastor John isn't even speaking in tongues, the, the, the language of men and angels. So what? What's your, what's your point? His angels, his charge concerning us, ministering spirits. And I just know this, that if, if my life is right before God, that he'll send them. He'll send them. Our focus should never be on angels. It should always be on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, pastor, I've been going through a lot. Well, Isaiah 26.3 says he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Stayed on him, not his provision, not his blessing, not his angels, on him. Come on, let's keep it simple, saints. Let's not get it twisted. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Everything you believe as a Christian revolves around Christ. Everything about Christianity revolves around Christ. It all revolves around Christ. And those feasts and those festivals and those Sabbaths that people are trying to bring back into their belief system, they all revolve around Christ too. Man, you find Jesus, you find it all. You find Jesus, you find it all. I want to pray as you're here today and maybe you're wrestling or maybe you've gotten off track in some of, of these things. I want to be able to pray for you today. I know I've thrown a lot at you. There's a lot of scripture here.